0: Hey guys, what's up? It's Greg Sruzvasti, Find Your Film, doing a little bit of an intro for this installment of the Find Your Film Hodgepod. First up is a review from Eric Holmes and Bruce Perky regarding the Netflix documentary Gladbeck, Gladbeck: The Hostage Crisis. Again, currently on Netflix. If If you want to see it, listen to Bruce and Eric's review, whether or not it is worth it. Spoiler alert. Bruce Perky is really invested in this documentary. That's why he wanted to actually bring it to the Hodgepod. He was actually going to bring it to our our weekly episode. But again, Hodgepods are part of it. Is part of its function is to actually cover a lot of the movies that don't make it to the main weekly episode. That I'm trying to streamline the episode, the weeklies as much as possible. So a lot of stuff gets really a lot of the stragglers, the strays get pretty much run off the side by the ro- of the road by me, who's cutting left and right. And thankfully, Bruce and Eric are saving the good content. The Yeah, I'm not saying the main op- episode isn't good content as well, but there's a lot of good content that is left off the main show. And Bruce and Eric start things off with a review of Gladbeck, again, a documentary on Netflix. Af- immediately after that, because we recorded one whole thing after the show, we recorded a little bit of a hodgepodge. We do... After Gladbeck, we do a spoiler review, spoiler discussion, quick one, of the new film Dawn Breaks Behind the Eyes. Dawn Breaks Behind the Eyes, that is the new film by Kevin, I believe his name, I don't have the IMDb right now, Kevin Kopaka. Just a movie that I really loved, I I believe I gave it four and a half stars, and I'm trying to remember what Bruce and Eric gave it, I think they both gave it four stars? Or Yeah, we, we all loved it, we all loved Dawn Breaks Behind the Eyes, I will leave a link I don't know, maybe it's on Amazon where maybe you can rent or purchase this movie. It comes in at, there's different running times regarding this movie. It's 73, 74, 76 minutes. Who knows? But if you like, per our review from our previous episode for a Find Your Film, Don Breaks Behind the Eye centers on a a couple. They enter a mansion. The woman's relatives supposedly leave it to, to her. She inherits the mansion and it's a really, looks like a very gothic haunted mansion and the husband's kind of an a-hole, and he's a nagger, and he, as soon as they get into the mansion, a lot of weird things happen, and Dawn breaks behind the eyes, so from the outset, if you look at the trailers, you might think it's giallo-inspired, it or it might pay, pay homage to films, European horror films from the 60s and 70s, if you think that, you're correct, You what you won't be correct about is somewhere down the line, maybe 50% or less than 50% in Something absolutely happens in Don Bricks Behind the Eyes that just flips the script, okay? And without giving too much away, there's some really interesting things that happen. So for that segment, as soon as you're done with Gladbeck, uh, or once you start, and it and it dives right into our spoiler talk regarding Don Bricks Behind the Eyes. Skip that. Skip that segment if you actually want to, and come back to it. Skip that if you want to see the movie. If this movie intrigues you i it i really loved it it's a very a good movie that really still that pretty much is st- is sticking with me and hopefully uh, i think when it gets onto it's currently on digital right now i'm going to purchase it on digital when i have some extra money to spare okay so first off again gladbeck the documentary netflix that's a review then a spoiler discussion of don breaks behind the eyes and then next up is eric holmes he does a one-on-two interview with the filmmakers behind the headliner the headliner is it currently director Anthony Bonacci is trying to get this movie funded actually he has i think i'm looking at their indiegogo page they have $10,000 at least towards their movie they're looking currently right now of of raising another $15,000 towards their indie production as of this recording they have 8090 towards their $15,000 goal for the headliner Eric Holmes interviews Tony Bonacci as well as the main actor of the movie, which I'm going to find right now. But so yeah, that is very yeah. In air, oh yeah, Derek Sil- Silkman, Derek Silkman, and Derek is spelled with a D A R R I C K. Have no idea, dear listener, why you wanted it. I just wanted it for my own edification. FYI, in case you need to spell Derek, spell it that way per this actor in the headliner. So, anyways. Again, the next segment is Eric Holmes talks to Tony B- Anthony Bonacci and and uh, um, um, Derek and Derek Silkman for the headliner. Okay, now our last last but not least, Bruce Perky is joined by his son Andrew. Andrew and they join Eric Holmes and they have a review of the latest Beavis movie. I have look, even though I I seem like a Beavis fan, I have not watched even one friggin' episode or movie of a Beavis and Butthead. So I probably won't watch this, but okay, Beavis and Butthead do the universe that is currently streaming on Paramount Plus, Eric Holmes, Bruce Perky, and his son Andrew. They have a quick ten-minute review of it, whether or not you guys should check it out. Okay, last but not least. This week for our Find Your Film episode, we are we are doing a deep dive on two films, Thieves Highway and Night in the City. Both of these movies are directed by Jules Dassin. Jules Dassin is a filmmaker that Eric Holmes, I guess, for the last maybe year or so has been really passionate about. So stay tuned this this week we're going to cover a couple of new movies but we're also going to be covering that those two films from from jules Dassin, and that again that is thieves highway and night in the City. that's a lot of stuff to talk about without getting to the meat of the actual episodes let me shut up right now hope you enjoy the the this installment of the cinema hodgepod. and thanks again for supporting me eric and bruce here on find your film take care guys talk to you soon Hey guys, we're back with Cinema Hodgepod. We're actually just finished taping up an episode of Find Your Film. We covered a lot of movies, and we're also going to be doing a little bit of a spoiler of Dawn Briggs behind the eyes. It, it's a very confusing ending. So when we when you listen to our spoiler regarding this, we're going to assume that a lot of you, some of you have actually will understand what we're talking about, how, because you've actually seen the movie. Now, a movie that I haven't seen, a project that I have not seen, that Bruce has been hammering everyone on our Cinematics Facebook group to actually watch. Is it a documentary, Bruce?
1: Yes. Yes, it yeah, is. Yeah, I don't I don't, <laughs> don't. I don't
0: like to. Eric, do you like documentaries? I don't like to learn about things. Do you like to learn about things? Yeah, um, mostly oh. through reading. Through reading, I'm the hard <laughs> art and reading. Hard reading. I don't know, Bruce. How many? Do you? Would you read a day? Do you? Would you read anything a day? I don't even read anything. I read letterbox ratings. I this is a movie podcast, Eric. but yeah. Anyways. Bruce, do you like to read like, uh, like Google Eric? Google
1: doc that tells us what <laughs> we're going to talk about on our show. <laughs>
0: there, there are words on there and you have to read them. That counts. okay Okay. Well, one of the words I'm reading is this thing. It says, Gladbeck, The Hostage Crisis, currently streaming on Netflix. This gets high marks from Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes has already seen it as well. 90-minute documentary. Bruce, what can, regarding Find Your Film, when they go to Netflix... Why would you recommend this? Why, why is this a documentary so high in your estimation?
1: Well, there's a couple things. I mean, I kind of went into this as one of those, hey, I'm just going to look for something to watch. It looks kind of interesting. I'll check it out. I didn't expect much from it. Um, a couple things that we always talk about when we talk about documentaries is talking head documentaries, right? Lots of people talking about it. In fact, we watched that one recently. The um, What was the other hostage crisis when we just watched uh, the, the old New York, New York one?
0: Oh, I forgot that one. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And that was really good. It's Breaks Behind the Eyes. Yeah. that's what it was called, (laughs) then I would remember.
1: Yeah. And that one was good, but it had a lot of talking heads and it had some actual footage. This movie is 100%. Hands up, don't shoot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, This one is 100% uh, stock footage or photos or stuff, news reports from the actual event from the time. And if you're like me and probably a lot of people... I had no, no idea whatsoever about this event occurring in my life because it happened in Germany and you know, we're Americans. We don't hear about things outside of America very much. So this happened in 1988 in Germany. It's called Gladbeck, the hostage crisis. When I started watching it, I thought this is going to be just kind of your normal hostage kind of a movie. And it, maybe it has some tragic events that occur or whatever it starts out and it's basically, this group of uh, these two guys have gone into a bank. They have a couple hostages. They tried to rob the bank, and they're asking for, you know, a getaway car, right? And you know, to be to get away, you know. And you always hear about these kind of things, and usually it ends up in a shootout or snipers go in or something happens. They tear gas the place, whatever. They get the guys. Well, I'm not going to say what happens in this whole movie, but. Right out of the gate, the police basically get them a car. The guys get in the car with the hostages. They drive away and the cops say to the press, don't follow them. And we're not going to follow them either because we want there to be a chance for the hostages to be let go and let the hostages be safe. And thus begins one of the longest hostage crises in Germany's history. And it goes to some incredibly strange places. There's a level of access by the press to these hostages and hostage takers that is truly mind-bending. And there's a point in this movie where you start to worry about the various hostages. And um, what happens is, to me, it becomes maddening. It becomes so angering and so frustrating to see how this progresses. Um, But it's also fascinating. And it's, it's quite amazing. And tense, it's tense, so tense. I'll see huh. what Eric thinks, but I think this is an amazing, amazing documentary.
2: Uh, the movie's actually called Hold Your Fire, not Hands Up, Don't You Hold Your <laughs> Thank Fire. You. Um, but uh, this documentary was very, on one hand, it was almost comical with because that that hostage situation should not have lasted as long as it did. Right. Um, There is uh, incompetence all around. Um, And on one hand, I'm thinking, are are, are we just
0: reviewing it or are we doing spoiler stuff? Yeah, we're just reviewing it right now. Okay. Because
2: on one hand, um, there's fault with the uh, news media. Yep because they've basically put human shields around the hostages. On the other hand, you've gotten the hostage, uh, the, the uh, terrorists, would, robbers, whatever you want to call them, uh, you've gotten them very comfortable. It would be very, very easy for a cop to put on a middle-class film class T-shirt like I'm wearing right now, And just kind of walk in with a gun Bam, bam, bam Handcuffs, whatever And then just end it Because the weird thing about this Is that it wasn't like a hostage situation Where like there was the one guy With the gun on On the 16 year old Or the 18 year old's uh, Throat pretty much um, Towards the last half of that But before that there wasn't that They were just kind of hanging out smoking cigarettes and uh yeah this was a very strange kind of uh kind of hostage situation and i think the i this, this sounds weird but a lot of it was boring because the the thing had you know the event had gone on for so long you know they're just sitting there in the bus for hours and hours and hours and then so long that the one of the uh you know one of the bad guys comes out and just has a full-on interview and then has another interview and then has another yeah. interview and then they go to a gas station they stay there for a couple hours and they're just sitting there like <laughs> they're not like that I, I'm just watching this going I can see so many openings where you can go in there and in this like immediately and they just the the police don't do it and then they they go to different countries because this is in europe so they go to different countries or different you know parts of europe um i don't know what the laws are there uh i i assume that you know it'd be like going from state to state where like laws differ a little bit maybe maybe not i'm ignorant but uh yeah this is very strange and then the end sorry the ending is apple juice um, the ending, <laughs> uh, it's weird because the entire documentary, you have 100% access. There is not, There is nothing you don't know about what's going on. And then for some reason, at the ending, all of a sudden, the curtain goes down. And you don't know what the fuck's going on. And that's, and again... In a week where I've been reading uh listening to the audiobook of nineteen eighty four all of a sudden I'm like, of course the government gets and fucks everything up <laughs> uh-huh. but uh yeah, they, they, this is a very interesting documentary it's boring in a lot of it just because of the um almost how comfortable you get with the situation whenever they whenever they stop but yeah this uh, this is When you talk about documentary, I don't know how you can get more access on this. This is like a hundred percent
0: access. Cool. So Bruce, what is, what is your rating on this?
1: Uh, I, I really like this quite a bit. I I find it more tense than Eric does partly because you get this credible sense of freedom and everyone's kind of laid back, but then you'll have a shot of all the people stuck on the bus that don't know if they're going to live or not. And that, keeps throwing me back into reality of like oh shit these people are all in torment right now while these assholes are wandering around outside anyway i would say um i give it four and a half i think this is for people who like documentaries especially check this out you you will you will get value from this documentary and it's not really long either it's like like it's not stretched out into a mini series it's a 90 95 minute i don't know one hour and 45 minute documentary done
2: although i would say that this is like uh one of those uh it, it's short but it has epic feel to it yes just because of like you feel the length of uh you know as it goes on it's like oh you know you kind of at least for me i'm I'm almost getting wore down along with the people yep. that had to have stayed awake for the three four days it it
1: but how long was it? Probably like it was like days. 50, 50 something hours. I think. Yeah, like nonstop. Yeah, and,
2: and I and I should also I should also like clarify. Like when I say boring, I guess like ennui would probably be a better word yeah. for it. Where,
1: um, almost resigned or you get complacent, like you yeah, believe, yeah, you that, believe everything's that, just going to be fine. You know, that that that's probably better. That's probably a better way to describe it
2: because, like, I mean, you're sitting there with the with the, uh, you know, the the bad guys, and they're just sitting there like, oh, we're going to do something. That There's one part where they're holding the gun up to uh, the 18-year-old, and they're like, don't you feel bad? And he's like, he's not going to shoot me. Because I mean, she herself has gotten complacent. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm with you, like four and a half on this. It, it, it's very... Like I said, it, it kind of overstays its welcome a little bit, which is weird to say, but that's kind of the
1: point. Yeah. It almost wants so, to wear you down like the people that were there. Like you yeah. almost get worn down by it too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Th- let, let me take that back. I don't want to say overstates welcome. It's a hostage situation in real time. <laughs> but uh yeah, th- this is a this is a really good documentary. And it's uh I mean there there's certain yeah.
0: I'm gonna stop talking because I'm just gonna put my foot in my mouth. <laughs> so wait, I'm sorry. Your rating behind it is like three and a half. I'm I'm with Bruce, Yeah, You loved it, so it's it's good. It's a good thing. Yeah, it's yeah. A- the the air quote boring parts
2: are just the situation that they're in. You know, it, it, if someone's uh, holding a gun up to your head, that's very you know uh, very scary and exhilarating if someone's been holding a gun to your head for three days straight, eventually you're going to be like, okay, yeah, he's got a gun in my head. It it just becomes part of your day to day at that point. Okay. That's all I got.
0: That's (laughs) all I got. Okay. (laughs) That's all you got. Final, final thoughts, Bruce on this, as far as, uh,
1: I mean, that's check it out. If you like documentaries, check it out. It's on Netflix. It's easy to find. And it's except that it's buried. That's the other part about it, right? Yeah. You go to Netflix, it's going to tell you to watch other things. It's not going to necessarily tell you to find this. So you have to look for it. Glad Beck.
2: You got to be glad that you heard that new Beck song. (laughs) So that is, this movie is not a loser, baby. So why not? (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: All right. So that is it. And we'll be, okay. So that's, that's this part of the Hodgepod Now, Quickly, Don breaks behind the eyes. This I'm not going to actually re, uh, record this part. But at the end, Eric, um, what, what 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 do you need clarification on that? At the end of Don breaks. So behind- I knew
2: that they were shooting a movie, and then so- halfway through, you find out, or, or the first part seems like the movie that you're watching, and then you find out, oh, that's they're shooting the movie. movie. They're
0: shooting. I don't know when you say the third inning. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. So what happens and Bruce, I could be wrong. Can You can correct me, Bruce, but so they're shooting a movie. What happens at the end of the night is she realizes that her husband, her filmmaker husband is cheating on her with a lead actress. And he, she opens up that door with that door that's been part of the whole, that rickety white door that's, and she opens it and it reveals that her husband's been cheating on her and she gets a little bit kind of, um, kind of mad. But what happens is towards the end of this, it, the whole the whole castle it goes ablaze everything gets gets on fire and you think oh everyone's going to die and then what happens is you realize the people in in the blaze they died and it goes to them the husband and wife filmmaking team they're in a white outfit and they're they're saying oh we've been do we have to we have to actually redo these events they realize they're actually ghosts in the actual in the actual mansion, so there, so the movie starts off again, at sort of at the beginning of their production, day one, okay. But the, so you think that okay, so they're ghosts and they're relive, reliving these memories in the um, in the castle, so they have to stay there forever. But no, because at the end of it, the third part is the ending is the the woman she goes out to the nearby lake or creek or whatever, and she sees sort of a her, she sees herself but without the glasses and with with long hair and you realize that what there's a woman she's in glasses and so she's observing the whole story and the movie ends with with a voiceover of the woman saying what what ha- what would happen if every if every story in the world um is true i mean every story that's made up must be true somewhere in the world so right. the filmmaker is saying there's so many different stories and so many different interpretations at the end but what's interesting is the movie starts with the the other character, Margot, she doesn't have too much agency because she's she's constantly being berated by her husband. But at the end, it becomes more of like a a real cool female centric film because she ends up being the survivor. She's the one who's actually viewing the entire situation. and the man, her husband, is behind that prism. And she's the one who's out into the existence, thinking she has the final say on things. That was my read on it, Bruce. What? Okay, real quick. So that's the I, thing. Are
2: we recording? Because no, we're not you recording. Need, you need this part. This is how. Oh, so you want how, me to record it? You want oh, me to record it's, right now? It, it, it's recording. It is recording, recording old, still. Okay, so <laughs> oh, it's recording. Okay. Okay. Because um, so I get the part of the movie. You know, it's a shallow movie, and then it moves back, and oh, they're making the Jello movie. And right. then you said the part of the, they're all ghosts. And then this stuff happens. I'm like, okay, my brain is, has completely failed me. Or maybe it failed me because <laughs> the, police, the, didn't the, you the see stuff that, that oh. you're, the stuff that you're mentioning. I didn't remember any of that.
1: Okay. But then I, you mentioned, I, the part I, remember the, I said Beetlejuice. That's why I kind of thought the Beetlejuice side of it.
0: So. Yeah. They they became ghosts for a second. Right. And they had to re- reclaim they realized I'm
1: not, I'm
2: not saying you're wrong oh no no i'm no, saying I'm- i watched the movie oh and yeah. that part is gone from my brain
0: okay bruce what so, was my read what and, was- and that yeah. should
2: not be a part that's gone from my brain and i'm actually kind of a little bit scared right now i love you guys <laughs> and i i'm i'm sorry if i forget tomorrow well who you here's watch.
1: the here's the part where i'm a little confused and where i think that there's some interpretation that can be had and that is Cause I think I see what Eric or I see what Greg is saying. And I kind of saw that as well, but so there's a couple key things. There's the, there's a sequence where she's walking towards the door towards the end, right. To find him having the affair. And it starts flashing back and forth between two multiple versions or multiple versions of that scene occurring. Right. Right. It's giving you two at the same time. So if one of them is her actually discovering them, him, and is the other one like a fictional version that would be in the movie, and that leads to that whole like orgy scene, which is also a fictional version, right. and then the actual version is them burning up in the house, and she makes it out. But there's also that miniature of the house that gets caught on fire. Yes. So there's also kind of there's also kind of an idea that like uh, of of like playing with figures and like what you're seeing isn't real. So I think there could be even like a three layer thing going on. Um, because there's another weird thing that I noticed, and that is, at the very beginning of the movie that we're watching, right? They go down. and He goes down into the basement, and he opens up the chest. And in the chest, there is a picture of the filmmaking crew that has all died. Did you see that?
0: Oh, that's so awesome! Okay,
1: so there's a picture of like a like a, it's like a news story or something about how this the film crew was killed in that so then that may, puts into question like how could that be in there in a movie that they're making so are they in the future so you know what i'm saying there's like a, there's i think there's some real, like an
2: inland empire thing
1: yeah there's some where real they weird... try to make this movie before
2: and it fucked with people Or, like, the the movie that they made is cursed or whatever.
1: So, I almost think, like, it's some kind of a weird, um, I think it's some kind of a weird time loop that's going on over and over and over again in history of this location with these same characters as different people. And it keeps repeating. And they're almost like they are ghosts forever. And it just has different endings and different versions of the same thing and to the point that they're making their own versions of it in like their own false versions, their own miniature versions. So I think it's really mind bending. And that's why I said, I don't quite understand it, but I don't kind of don't care because I think it it's awesome, whichever way you go with it.
0: Yeah. And my read was, yeah, she's the one, she's on the other side of that because she and her husband are separated, the filmmaking team, right. she's looking in. And he's looking out like he can't reach her, and yes. then it goes back to the the glasses, the the glasses and the observer, because it it cuts that sequence where you're you're seeing a pair of glasses, and you're assuming it's who is that guy? You you're looking in the the narrative like who is that guy with the glasses looking in on people? No, it's not a guy. It's actually a woman. It's actually yeah. the woman at the end. So it's a it's a nice play on that. I thought she actually escaped and she's actually the agency of her own story. That's another read on it, but I loved your read as well. So it would have been interesting to see maybe the filmmaker would not Kevin, what is his name? Kopaka. Maybe he doesn't what well, doesn't even want to talk about his own read, which is you know his his version of what the quote unquote truth is, right? So it's yeah. just yeah. Do you think he'd actually give a real answer if you ever if someone ever asked him about what does this ending mean? Do you think he'd ever give some kind of concrete answer to all those questions. They never do. They never do. <laughs> yeah, they never do. They never do. So,
2: so what, what I got from it was um, you had the Jalo movie, which, mm. which that was my big, that was my big problem with it. Was it this mm. like, Oh, this seems like uh it seems a little
0: like a ripoff of a jalo. It, like of
2: thing. It, it's not bad, but it's a little hipster. And then you move back. Oh, they're making a movie, and the director is a douchebag. Okay, right. and then so um,
0: it's funny because they were making fun of themselves in a weird way. They're making fun of them making the movie by playing, you know, all those people. They, just yeah, they funny. were.
2: Yeah, but I mean, the director was kind of a douchebag. Right, he, he played douchebag pretty good. And then you're adding all this other stuff to it, and like th- I, that went right the fuck over my head. <laughs>
0: Well, in fairness to you, Eric, that that all that stuff happens within the last ten minutes of the movie, and it happens in a almost pretty much a blur. Remember, Bruce, everything is just kind yeah. of a whirlwind, yeah. nightmarish. It becomes of consciousness like layer on layer
1: on layer at the same time. Because
0: I was getting uh, kind of, I don't
2: want to say Harvey yeah. Weinstein vibes, but like he was definitely like uh, that kind of. Uh, um, I I don't you know, know that You know the uh, he, I wanted to mention
1: that that didn't oh, go ahead. that didn't get mentioned in the list was Beyond the Valley of the Dolls. I oh. definitely got some Beyond the Valley of the Dolls buys when it was the party hippie sequence too.
0: Okay, cool.
2: I didn't yeah. see that. But yeah. but I get the sense that the 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 director was kind of a shithead and so it was just kind of fun watching him kind of interact with with people and uh you know just knowing it's like yeah, oh, you're a fucking piece of shit, but whatever.
0: Again, um, this, it would be an interesting movie if we just, I don't know if you agree, Bruce, if we, Eric, if we just focus on the filmmaking team. And when they're, it starts off with them dressed in white in the bed and they're realizing, and it's a big, oh, I know you don't like flashbacks, Eric, but it's a flashback to them on the first day of production. So that's a whole different movie yeah, that you could, I, I'm fine with flashbacks with. as
2: long as they make sense. And I think I need I to think I watch this one again. <laughs> because
0: I miss a big part of this. It's not a big part of it i don't think it's a big part No, like
2: that I, I think it is because there, there's this whole there's this whole other aspect of the movie that you're talking about and uh as you know i'm into hard art so i should probably watch this <laughs> well, there,
0: there's a really cool female centric driven ending which i appreciated yeah. but then but i completely glommed on to Bruce's whole time loop element that this one move that's kind of cool on a fantastical level that it's this movie is one big time loop. So I think we can ascribe so many th- different things to, to this movie Don breaks behind the eyes, but it's, I think that's a credit to how layered this film is even clocking in it, whether you're 73, 74 or 76 minutes. So, all right. So that I, is it guys. I'm have yeah. to bump
2: this up once we My,
0: watch it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> hey guys, tell us, tell us what you think. Okay, so this, uh, I don't even know if this is going to, I guess okay, I'll put it as part of the Cinema Hodgepod and I'll put it on our, look, I, I, Eric Bruce, what do you think? Do, you, do we recommend this movie to a lot of, who do we recommend this movie? We have our own ratings for this movie. Who do we really encourage people to see? We, people should see this if.
2: I would not watch it if you're like me and you got donkey brains. Okay. <laughs> I right. should just, flies right over <laughs> okay. your head okay. but, uh, you're
0: beating yourself up
2: a, a little bit but i mean even the parts that i did catch um uh, you know it it was a really uh enjoyable movie yes and and had some like uh i don't know, what, what we talk about like uh certain movies where it's got like that little extra like if you're not in like if you don't catch that it's fine it still works without yeah. that okay uh, this is kind of one of those. Like it it still kinda works on but you have to be in the jalo. I I think that would probably be first and foremost. If you're in the jalo, you're gonna enjoy this. You know what? If you're listening to this part, you saw it already. So never <laughs> mind.
0: <laughs> okay. And and Bruce, uh very very quickly, if they just listen to the spoilers and they might want to dip into this. Don't yeah, watch think- this. Yeah, do watch this of what.
1: Uh, I think if, definitely if you like Euro horror, Giallo, kind of trippier Euro horror, especially. and uh, Or like if you imagine a Giallo being directed by a young David Lynch, maybe. You get a little bit of a little of that going on, too. Yeah, Or I someone think, who thinks he's a young
0: David
2: yeah,
1: Lynch. Yeah, exactly. It's not quite to that level. But hey, <laughs> yeah, that's where I would go. If you're into those kind of mind-trippy, like uh, odd narratives that you get with Giallo as well, where it just does hard tone shifts, but you can still go with it. I
2: think like this. wait I, I was talking when it said someone who thinks i was talking about the character
1: not the actual oh, director yeah. i got you
0: okay thank you guys i hope you enjoy the spoiler i'm even more confused about this movie now more and Love i think I I don't know. <laughs> all right guys we'll see you next time here on find your film take care so
2: any <laughs> anywho, uh, i guess uh, we're recording now i'm here with tony bonacci and derek silkman and you guys are making a movie yeah. It's called the headliner. Now I've seen you have the uh short, the short version, it's like 12 minutes long or so. Um
3: uh, I forgot how long it is. Is it even longer than that, Derek? Is it like 20? No. no,
4: I don't if so. you don't include the credits, it's 12 minutes, but with
3: the credits, I think it's about 15 or something. How come I'm tempted to go low credit? No, I'm not logging in, never mind.
2: <laughs> well, I first of all I gotta say I I really enjoyed the short. Um and of course, I I've known Derek for a while. And as we mentioned before I started recording, haven't seen each other in a long time. So it's awesome seeing you again and talking to you again. Yeah. Um, I gotta say you're one of my favorite actors ever. And I'm not just saying that because you're here. <laughs> Every time <laughs> I think of like uh anytime we see uh Derek's gonna be in something, I'm like, well oh, fuck it, I gotta watch that. <laughs> That's awesome. Cool. But uh with the uh with the headliner, you guys are doing an indiegogo campaign. Yeah. Um, I guess yep, uh, we just
3: launched it. Yeah.
2: I, I guess we'll start with uh just the idea of the headliner. Um maybe kind of go into the short and how that developed into the, the full length that you will be doing shortly because the the Indiegogo campaign's gonna Yeah. It, it it's gonna get there.
3: It's gonna Might get it to the get... goal. Hopefully yeah. it goes over. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, uh, the short. Uh, originally, all I remember, Derek probably has a better memory with this than I do, But I just remembered I wanted to make a film about a stand-up comic, and then I forgot like what the other parameters were that I had the ideas for. But you remember, Derek, what originally we were thinking? With the short. I, I remember you wanted
4: to make it some sort of a redemption story. Um you know he's a stand-up comic who's got a lot of uh demons might not be the right word. I don't think you said anything like that, but a lot of internal um yeah problems. You know, yeah. but I remember you were like this is a guy who's struggling internally and yet by the end of it you want to wanted it to be a bit of a redemption story.
3: Yeah, Yeah. especially for the feature, but uh, for the short, I I thought I kind of feel like Christine kind of ran with the with the story for the short. I forgot if we, I think essentially I had like a rough idea, like oh, a story about a stand-up comic and maybe this and this could happen. But then I think she kind of
4: just took took it with the short. She used the ideas from our brainstorming session a long time ago for Mm -hmm. the feature, but I think you're right. I think she kind of made that short her own
3: narrative. Yeah. And so yeah, the the feature length film is going to be like insanely different than the short as far as storyline. Like the only thing even similar to the short will be the the main couple of characters and uh, a couple other smaller parts. But story-wise it's insanely different, yeah. So Does
2: that mean Rachel Ware's coming back?
3: She's coming back, but she's going to be a stand-up comic. Well, I mean, yeah, like cuz she is a stand-up comic. <laughs> yeah, so she's playing herself basically. But uh I I kind of felt like I had miscast that role. I felt like it should have been like an, an older lady playing that part and just I just felt like it would have fit better as that the the manager of the club and everything. So, yeah. I think I, I,
2: uh I thought I thought she did pretty actually I thought she did really well in that cuz like she yeah. got the, you know, cuz the, the short kind of goes into what's happening now which triggers Derek's character to flash back to the incident that happened mm-hmm. um yeah. and it's, it's kind of uh it's, it's a bit vague on what the incident is we just know yeah. that it's not good yeah and uh it, it was fun watching her be like kind of sassy and then just on a dime just like she just you know just yeah. tore down uh, emotionally
3: yeah. yeah yeah she did do a really good job i, I think the only thing that I thought, I didn't think she didn't do a good job. It was more of like an age thing and a vibe thing for me. Yeah. Like, I just figured for the feature, we should probably get like an older lady to play the part. And so we uh, now, so now we casted Mary Kelly. She's an actor here in town. So, yeah.
4: The script kind of, the script for the feature really calls for an older uh, actress in that role, too. I think there's several lines that indicate that she, uh, that character needs to be. Um, significantly older than Rachel is.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. The 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 part in the script where she talks about her grandchild, like, I'm not buying Rachel Ware has a grandchild yet.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's yeah that. And then also, yeah, when they're teasing her for, like, dating the guy that's in the 70s or something. <laughs> so it's yeah. like, yeah. But yeah, so, I think it'll fit. I think it'll be a good fit with Mary Kelly playing the part of Brit. And, and the it's going to
4: play to Rachel's strengths too, because Rachel is just fantastic as a stand-up comedian.
3: Yeah, she just won like something like uh, some some challenge, like uh, dang it, I forgot what it was called, but like some Battle of the Comics or something like that.
4: Yeah, yeah, I just saw that this morning too. Yeah, so that's cool.
2: So what was uh, what was it? Because you've done a couple, you've done a couple shorts. What was it about the headliner that this is the one that's going to be? I believe this is your first feature film that you'll be
3: yeah. Yep, it is going to be the first. And I think it's because, like, working with Christine and then Derek. Like, with Derek as that main character. And then, like, our friend Bruce Briggs playing the other comic. And just, like, I still have an interest in doing something about stand-up comics and everything. And then so having that team already there of, like, Christine Buright and then Derek. Uh, so I just figured that would be, like, cool to we, I think we had, had we always planned on doing the feature since we started the short Derek or that's the thing is I think we had that idea. My
4: recollection is that you approached me, God, this was back in 2016, long time ago, um, about making your first feature. So that was the plan all along. Oh, okay. I think, I think at some point you said, I think I want to do a short first just to kind of,
3: you know, oh, make almost sure as like, like a vibe test or something. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, I have such a bad memory. I always joke about this, but like Derek can remember stuff way better than I can. I'm just like, I think that's what we did. Yeah,
2: uh, real quick, Derek, uh, I wanted to kind of uh, hit on some of your uh, filmography, I guess, um, did some work, a bunch. actually both of you did work with uh, Aaron gum uh tony yeah. the munchie boys which is a fun, yeah the uh, munchie
3: boys yeah the food YouTube podcast thing. yeah and i then, love uh, the video episodes we did yeah that was fun
2: is that is that coming back because i haven't seen one i don't now.
3: think so as of now we did talk about that if we ever do anything again what we'll do is we'll we'll do like youtube episodes like we won't even do the audio podcast part we'll just do like fun occasional like video episodes or something yeah so we haven't yet but
2: <laughs> but uh there Sometimes. you got a. Uh, You got uh, stuck on Neil, which went through Mm -hmm. many title changes, as I recall, uh, before you got stuck on Neil. Um, It was bent over
4: Neil, then it turned to stuck on Neil. I think there was some sort of a hang-up with – we were trying to sell that piece to an airline. You know, like one of those deals where they show movies on airlines, and I think that whoever was – um, handling that deal said, you got to change that title or there's no way that we're going to fly. So it changed to stuck on Neil. And then, um, it changed to stuck because I dropped out. I, after, after, um, it kind of, after that film went through the circuit, you know, kind of the, the, uh, the film festival circuit, um, I just decided, I, I thought that story had run its course and I just, I didn't want to work on it anymore. Um, um, but other people involved did, so it couldn't really be stuck on Neil anymore because I was playing Neil, so it changed to stuck. There you go. Yeah, yeah after this
3: it. after this feature, this is gonna run its course with Derek as the comic, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> you'll have the short, you'll have the feature. We don't need a part right. two. Yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> then you also well, have Well,
3: unless it makes a lot of money, then we might <laughs> like somebody they want to redo it. Some studios like, yeah, it was all right, but can we redo it? <laughs>
2: Then you had uh, another one after that, the uh, horror movie Indoor.
3: Yep.
4: Yeah. Uh, Both of those were directed by Eric Gell.
2: Yeah. And uh, those aren't available anywhere, or are they? I I know the Stuck series, you could probably find that online, but I had trouble finding Stuck on Neil or Indoor. Yeah. I think those only
4: got uh, a limited number of DVDs printed. I'm not quite sure why that happened, but yeah, yeah I, I have DVDs of them at home, but I don't think you can watch those
2: online anywhere. I saw they had the indoor series on Disney Plus. Uh, I didn't see you in it. It was a bunch no. of Ewoks, but uh, <laughs>
4: <laughs> no, I could have played one of the Ewoks in that. I suppose, as old as I
3: was at the time that came out,
2: you played. You played a pretty good uh, psych, a psycho in that, I believe.
3: Yeah. <laughs> it was fun. with the with the black hair. You guys you
2: guys need to follow the headliner up with the headhunter and then just have a
3: <laughs> just combine the characters.
2: You know, I'm uh, I'm getting out of comedy. I'm going into murder the headhunter.
3: <laughs> yeah. I just keep like looking where I am in the
2: room. <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're just gonna use Because I'm standing
3: dude. up. Yeah, you can oh, sit yeah. down
2: if you want. We're just gonna use oh, audio. Right.
3: let's see how this is. Yeah. <laughs> i get too low see i'm too low but that's okay it's just audio sorry people can't they don't know what i'm talking about because uh i'm just moving around in the camera
2: you had a pretty cool painting in the background though even though no no one can see it because we're not using the video Yeah.
3: So it's a nude lady and with her face cut out of the 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 um, canvas and people always get weirded out and they're like what in the world is that and I'm like oh it was actually a prop for one of my short films and then they get they feel good again and they're like oh okay like <laughs>
2: what was uh what was that what short film was that though
3: so it was uh, the Inselberg Effect is one that was one of mine the Inselberg Effect now
2: yeah. I, I saw that on the IMDb is that is that available and what's that one about yeah
3: you can watch that on Vimeo. Yeah,
2: so. I saw an Inselberg um, effect, and I don't know what an Inselberg is.
3: I forgot exactly what it was, but it was something, like, I, still the writer of that, I completely. Um, hey, Scott Derek, what's an I, Inselberg? Yeah. <laughs> I think I, it's a person's name, isn't it? In the, in the, but I forgot what the the effect is, or, like, what it had something to do with the mindset of the main character or something like that. So, yeah, so the Inselberg effect was, when was that? I'm trying to take a look at the date here.
4: That was 2016, I believe. Was it? Okay. And while he's looking, that was actually the first film of Tony's that I was
3: in. I'd, uh, uh, oh, yeah, I love that scene where you play the boss. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, everybody will have to go check out the Enselberg effect on Vimeo. Under my uh, my Vimeo, under Tony Bonacci. So, so, with,
2: so with, uh, with the headliner, is there... Uh, I don't get the sense from how you guys are describing it, but was there... Any love for stand-up comedy going in, or was this oh, just yeah. like a uh, just uh, that? That'd be a good setting for this story I want to tell.
3: Yeah, we actually, but me and Derek both love different stand-up, so yeah, yeah, cool. Well, Tony, you've been a big fan of
4: stand-up for a long time, haven't you? Wasn't that? Yeah,
3: fan. I love a, a bunch of different uh, types of stand-up and different stand-up comics. So yeah, I don't know for years. So that's why I was really interested in doing that, and then like. Yeah, Derek's always talking about like George Carlin and stuff. Do
2: you guys <laughs> see other, that other that people. new
3: documentary? Yeah, I watched that. That was good. I stuff. forgot what it was on, HBO or something. About George Carlin? Yeah. yeah it's uh Judd Apatow
2: it directed it. It's like a what like three hours?
3: Yeah, it, it, it's it, like a it's like a two part thing that's super long. Yeah. Oh check that out.
2: It's good stuff. I should have
3: saved it. I should have saved it to watch with Derek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Derek, you doing
2: any uh you doing any stand up to uh you a method actor or what's your no. uh, what's your approach for uh doing uh having a character that is a stand-up comic
4: so when we did the short that was the first time i've ever done it um and i i, I wasn't really doing stand up i su- i suppose you know i didn't write my own material we had a uh tony knew a stand-up comic named zach Peterson who's a professional stand up comic who is uh Lived and worked in both LA and Chicago, hasn't he, Tony?
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, and he wrote all of the material that I did in the uh, in the short, except for some of the transitional material from bit to bit. I came up with some of that just to make it run a little bit more smoothly. And he'll be writing my stuff in the uh, for the future as well. Mm-hmm. But um, that was the first time I ever got up and you know told jokes in front of uh, in front of an audience like that. So it was a little bit nerve wracking. Um, I treated it like a scene, you know, I'm, I'm up here performing and the, uh, you know, the audience was basically friends of ours. who We invited to come uh, be extras and they were very supportive and laughed at everything, you know, so, so it wasn't like a real audience either in the short. Um, so I kind of treated the audience like my scene partner. I'm, um, I'm trying to elicit a laugh. I'm using I'm uh, playing objectives to get that laugh. And they were uh, kind enough to reciprocate. So um, that was kind of how I handled it. I just treated it like a scene, kind of like I would in anything that I'm working on.
2: And you do theater too, like you've done the Shakespeare on the Green, and I think the first thing I've seen, the first time I've seen you act was uh, uh, you were at a a playhouse. I think it was Mother Courage.
4: It was Mother Courage, but that was at UNO actually. When okay. yeah, I was I was doing some graduate work at UNL. And I do remember you going to see that.
3: God, that was in two thousand five.
2: That was a long time. We're old. Oh. I, I don't know if you guys know this. We're really old. That's that's crazy. Yeah. I don't
3: I don't think I've ever seen Derek in anything live, right? Besides just uh-uh. his own. Yeah.
4: No, I don't do a lot of live theater anymore. It, it's uh doing live theater is pretty Consuming, not that doing film isn't. Um, it is, but like for the feature, but we're gonna we're gonna shoot the whole thing in about two weeks. Yeah, for the most part. If I were to do a live, um, if if I were to decide to get involved with a live theater production, I would have to set aside got at least six weeks, at least depending on how long the run is. Um, when I was doing Shakespeare on the Green, it was that was six weeks. I couldn't have anything else going on um so it's it's difficult to do live theater you know once you once you hit a certain age i think depending on what you're doing for a living um i have several jobs so it's difficult to get time off you know big chunks of time off um but it's ideal to do film because i can take two weeks of vacation and go do a film like i'm doing with tony
2: next month what what's a uh, like uh what's your process as far as like learning lines I, i'm guessing with film it's a lot easier because you just need to know what you're doing on that specific take or is that Um, or is that not the
4: case i i've done that where i just learned my lines like the morning before we shoot i'm not doing that with this one um i'm about a third of the way through the script already a little under a third of the way through as far as memorization goes i'm in every single scene of the headliner so i don't (laughs) don't (laughs) You know, I want to make sure that yeah. I'm really familiar with that material by the time that we get there. You um, are literally
3: in every scene. Yeah, every single one.
4: Um, repetition. You know, I sit down with the script and I say my lines over and over and over and over again. And I also read the lines in between mine because you've got to know what you're responding to as mm-hmm. well. Yeah. So I don't memorize the other people's lines. Uh beforehand but i do try to see where their lines end so yeah I, like you're like
3: familiar with it yeah yeah
2: and so the timing and as an actor like when you're reading a script um because there, there's a couple different schools of thought there's like some scripts that are just they just put the dialogue there and then it's up to the actor to kind of suss out what is in the character's head and how to perform that line and then there's yeah. other scripts where they're extremely detailed and the uh, characters scratching their nose stoically and blah 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 and then like which do you prefer or do you just kind of go with whatever
4: i kind of go with whatever and I, i think one of the rules of thumb for actors is if there are a lot of stage directions you don't need to feel married to those things um sometimes too much stage direction can get a little bit stifling and it hinders you finding interesting um new things that you can use uh in the work that you're doing, so um, I'll, I'll, I'll read through them, and if there's things that I like, I'll use them. I don't, I don't completely dismiss them, but I don't think actors necessarily need to feel married to those um, excessive stage directions. You don't see quite as much of that anymore as you did in older works. If you ever read Death of a Salesman by uh, uh, by Arthur Miller, <laughs> you'll see a ton of those. A ton of stage directions. But if you go back to Shakespeare, Shakespeare had almost none
2: in his texts. So, So, um, Tony, are you writing this or who's the writer of the headliner?
3: So, the writer of both the short film and the feature film is Christine Burright. Okay now yeah. with
2: with her uh well probably should have her here to answer this but i'll ask you and maybe you know maybe you don't but uh with the uh, so you have the script and then you have the the main story that's going along but as you mentioned you have uh stand-up scenes and then you had someone else write the write the jokes yeah so what does the script look like is it uh derek's character gets on stage yeah jokes ensue for five yeah, minutes. yeah it literally then-
3: says like stand-up tba or something or t- like. TBD or whatever she wrote. It's basically like she has like the screenplay and like everything else that happens. And then it'll say like Chad Allen's on stage doing stand up, And it says, it'll give a little direction. Like it will say referencing Anna and the night he had last night and stuff like that. So she has like direction to it as far as what she was envisioning him talking about. But then like, we're having Zach Peterson write the parts for that. So Zach Peterson has the screenplay and all those notes and stuff like that. And then essentially, um, he d- he'll he'll make the material for it, and then all, everybody else is writing their own material. So,
2: yeah. Well, that's a, that sounds like it'd be a fun collaboration. Actually, yeah, it sounds like cool. a actual true collaboration. Like just yeah, you know, everyone's, everyone's kind of got their is. own uh, specialties in their own spots, and it's like yeah, hey, just do your it's job. Definitely going to be.
3: Great. Yep, it's going to be a huge collaboration because, like, honestly, the way that I like to with directing and doing these projects is that. I kind of like, I think my actual strength is putting like a bunch of good people together. Like, I don't think it's like a thing where I'm like, I'm a writer director. I need my vision known or something like that. Like, I don't care about that. It's just good to like get all these different people together with like the, the screenwriter and all the different actors bringing like what they want to the role and stuff like that. And that's the other thing is I want all the actors to kind of bring their own vibe to the role. So Whether it's like their style and stuff like I'm always open to them because actually so I got together with Mary Kelly, the actor that's playing Brit in the movie, and uh, she was asking me about wardrobe. She's like, so she's like, I'm assuming there's probably not wardrobe since uh, it's low budget. And I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna have like you guys pick stuff out. And then so we were talking about it. And I was telling her that I actually want her to think about what she wants the character to look like as far as her outfit. And I was like, I'll let you know if I hate it. But <laughs> like so, like I like I want to be able to say no to stuff, but also I want to be open for people to bring their own like ideas to it. So and Derek had ideas about some of his wardrobe stuff and I loved that those ideas. So yeah. I came up with a lot of my wardrobe stuff together, if I remember. Yeah. That. Yeah. Do you want to tell them about the the shoes? <laughs> yes, that was that was
4: mine. Yeah, the red Converse. I'm going to be wearing the same pair of red Converse that I wore in the short uh, Chuck Taylor high tops. Um, I have not worn them since I did the short, except for that photo shoot we did a few weeks ago. So they still look brand new. but mm-hmm. uh, they, uh, you know, because they look kind of like clown shoes. I wear a size 13 too. So <laughs> they really look like yeah, these big red shoes on my big feet. So he um, thought that'd be funny for the role. Yeah, uh, just kind of a subtle, uh, subtle reference. Um I think
2: it's not a Tarantino saying. movie though, so we probably won't even see her. No, <laughs>
3: yeah, <Yeah>, that's true. <laughs> we'll have to get. We'll have to get a random close-up. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe when they're on the dance floor, because there's a scene where he goes to a dance club with his daughter and her friends, and it's like this nightclub. And there he's is. like the older guy just kind of bopping around a little bit. And maybe we'll get a close-up of his shoes kind of dancing there around is, or right. something. <laughs> oh my gosh. Doing also,
4: really, really simple footwork because I can't.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <get it.
2: laughs> yeah. Also in the short, in the background, there's a scene where uh Derek, you're sitting there and then you see the pictures of all the comedians there. Mm-hmm. And one of the pictures is Aaron Gum. Uh, he yeah. looks like uh, he looks like a maybe like a, he is a puppet comet
3: or something. Yeah, yeah. And he, I, his name he, was Guybrush Threepwood. Yeah,
2: there you go. That, he I, thought I, of that.
3: He want he was like, I want to be Guybrush. Is uh, Guybrush
2: uh, uh, Threepwood gonna have a uh, stand up within the? Uh...
3: He should, <laughs> but no, I don't think so. Oh, so that's a good question. That leads to uh, so I actually want like I wanted to feature all my favorite comics in Omaha in the movie. And there's only so much actually. Like in the movie, even though it's about stand-up, there is a decent amount of stand up comedy happening, mainly with like Bruce and Derek. But uh there are some other people, and I wanted to uh, like focus on some of my favorite people. So we're gonna have Zach Zach Peterson. There's this comic here in town, Tyler Walsh, that I absolutely love, and then Rachel Ware doing her stuff. So and I think maybe one or two more at most, but I think they're smaller, little like single joke spots or something like that. So
2: Maybe Guybrush Threepwood can have like a just get the last joke just as he's leaving stage or getting. Or maybe he'll just be
3: like that guy that we don't actually see him doing his role, but he's always at the venues, just kind of like hanging out with people, like he's (laughs) like he's one of the comics that's always just around. (laughs) Aaron Gum will always just be there hanging out. Yeah.
4: Speaking (laughs) of those pictures in the background, you also had one up of Christine, the screenplay writer.
3: Yeah,
4: Um, as one of the featured comics of the club. So, yeah, that was kind of cool. You kind of did a meta thing where you referenced other people who were involved uh, in the film because Aaron did the score for the show. So we had.
2: Oh, he did. Yeah. okay,
4: Yeah. So we had uh, images of people as comics who performed at that venue in the past. Um, But we used people who were involved in the film.
2: Yeah. Aaron sucks. He's good at everything. (laughs) 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 He makes us all look bad. (laughs) (laughs) so what what kind of uh well uh one of the things we have on the show is a uh bruce has a box a what's in the box segment and in the box he puts movie like anytime we talk to someone or uh online uh he just has someone put something in the box it's a movie that they like that maybe uh means something to you and it's like oh man why no one talks about this no one ever sees this I, i keep saying hey have you seen blah 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 and the answer is always no is there, oh. is there any movies like that you think more people should probably see
3: um yeah but it, it's definitely weird so i absolutely oh, I think a lot, it, it's we weird because weird. a lot of people actually like it like it's it's one of those like if you know you know situations but i absolutely and i've loved it for a long time but gamo
2: oh okay yeah, gamo. Yeah.
3: g-u-m-m-o by Harmony Corinne.
2: So. Really hungry for spaghetti right now. For some so I,
3: <laughs> <laughs> See, he knew what it was. Yeah, yeah but I absolutely I love would. that. Yeah, that's been one of my back weird, back. that's been one of my weird, like, that. So I guess that was my pick. I definitely have some other ones, but yeah.
2: <laughs> and then Derek, you got, you got one?
3: Yeah,
4: the only one that's coming to mind, I was just talking about this one the other day, is Funny Games. Do you know that uh, one? Yeah.
2: One second. <laughs> okay go on go on go on.
4: Um so Funny Games is an interesting uh interesting film because it was originally the original version is is it German?
2: Or yeah, it's uh Michael Haneke. Okay, and that's the, it was a German film, right? The original one? I I think it, I believe so. I okay. I don't know I don't know if he's uh German or not. Okay,
4: and I never saw that, but I saw the American version that he also directed. and I think he recreated it shot for shot with with different actors, of course. But I'll never forget seeing the the, uh, trailer to that, because I used to go to the Dundee Theater a lot. uh, Back when it was just a Dundee Theater, and they showed, uh, you know, all independent films. And I saw the trailer for that, and it looked hilarious, the trailer did. And I even rewatched the trailer the other night and I was like, I can see why I thought this was going to be funny. Like <laughs> they were using, made it seem like it was going to have a real uh, comedic sensibility, but there's absolutely nothing funny. About it's just
3: that. like dark and
4: it yeah. is terrifying. Yeah. Um, absolutely terrifying. And I that, that movie shook me.
3: <laughs> Did you watch started. the original?
4: i didn't uh-uh. so
3: i just saw it was from 97 so it's crazy that they remade that so soon after the so. when did the new one come out like six oh7 something like that i think yeah i
2: was still living in uh i was still living in omaha at the time when that came out yeah, yeah so it, it had to have been 2007 so, or t- so a around. 10 year later ten years, yeah yeah but uh i i can't I don't know how to change my background, but I actually have a Funny Games poster behind me that I got from. <laughs> yeah. Is it the Dundee? You watch the movie there, and then they have like those little tiny posters. I got yeah. that one of Naomi Watts, like close up of her face. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Oh, I
3: see. Yeah, I see that one. But uh, I always do this. Like, I feel like I always am googling things as we're on the podcast because, <laughs> like, <laughs> we just like I want to see it as we're talking. Yeah, did me and Aaron Gum did this. Yeah, did you yeah, I've that? been looking up all this stuff. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
4: Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons that movie stuck with me so much is because of how misleading I found the trailer. I thought it was going to be this kind of dark comedy. and I, did, I didn't laugh once watching that. Yeah. I,
2: I did once, and that was when uh, Dude got killed and the other dude reaches for the uh, remote control. Nope, we're rewinding the scene. I was like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> well, I read up on that. You
4: know why they did that? Uh, Rewind. Um, he That director was apparently trying to make some sort of a statement about uh, violence in films and how oh, yeah. people kind of get off on it. You know, people get a kick out of it. And that particular character getting killed, like, gives the audience a lot of satisfaction. And they're like, nope, we're not giving it to you. And they rewound it. Yeah. Yeah.
2: And yeah, really the
4: feelings yeah. that happen are deeply, deeply disturbing. In that yeah. So he was making a statement with that but yeah. it, it it feel it's really out of place. Like if they were going to do that, they probably should have done a little bit more of that throughout rather than just that one time.
2: I yeah. I I think the uh I think the opening cuz they got the you know, they got that nice serene background
4: mm-hmm. and uh
2: but then they got like that heavy metal music playing in the background so it just kind of I, I think that sets the tone pretty good because it's almost like, "Oh, what we're watching is not, you know, it's not going to be what we think it is." Right.
4: Like, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that movie uh I, I I walked out of that one not feeling too uh <laughs> <laughs> not feeling too joyous the first time yeah. I saw
2: it. Yeah. Michael Haneke is pretty good at that. What yeah. was that a more movie you did about the two uh two old, co- the old couple at the end of their lives? Probably one of the more one. depressing movies you'll, you're likely to see. Hmm. I, hey, I hey, if you want to be depressed, put on a more. <laughs>
4: <laughs> there are a number of movies like that that are just wonderfully made, like brilliant movies. But I probably won't watch them again because they
3: put me they don't make you feel like, good. 80s. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of like Bully, like uh, Larry Clark's Bully and stuff like that. I don't know if you guys saw that. So which that one's one that? Bull, Bully by Larry Clark. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's it just makes you feel gross too, like. <laughs> so Lou valentine comes to mind as one of
4: those movies too I don't well, know if oh yeah, yeah that, that's a Ryan Gosling and michelle williams oh
3: there. yeah yeah and man, i so need to rewatch that i haven't seen that i was so depressed after i watched that movie it's
2: just like a it's like a really good uh romance intercut with a really bad romance
4: so like, well, yeah and it's the same couple it's like yeah. showing you like the beautiful um you know, beginning of their relationship because, you know, everything's all, all perfect when people generally start a romantic relationship and it keeps coming back and forth between that and their their relationship crumbling. And it's, you know, juxtaposing those two things makes it all the more uh, devastating.
2: Yeah. Well, we don't have much time until the uh, Zoom is going to kick us off here. But real quick, um, what is some of... Uh, What's some projects you guys have worked on in the past that uh, any listeners might be able to find? Oh, and actually, before that, let's get uh, let's get uh, where they can find. We'll put in the show notes, but just uh, where they can uh, donate to the crowdfunding campaign.
3: Oh, yeah. So if you go on to Indiegogo and you just search for the headliner feature film, you'll be able to find it. And the reason I say that is because the the link is way too long, too. It'd be easier just to search for the headliner. So, and it'll be like the, it's like the only one that would come up under film if you look up the headliner feature film. So, All right. but yeah, so we launched it, like set, did a soft launch seven days ago. Then we fully launched it last Tuesday and it's doing really well so far. We have 23 days left and we're at 53% uh, funded. We're trying to raise, essentially we have $10,000 to start and we're trying to raise another 15 and maybe hopefully more if it goes over. Uh, so we're at eight thousand sixty-five dollars so far of the fifteen thousand. So we're fifty-three percent funded Sweet. after only seven days. So that's good. Yeah.
1: Yep.
2: Cuckoo. Cool. And what's uh what's a uh, project that we can find? I I guess the the headliner short, but what what yeah. other shorts you got that uh, can be found?
3: And then Derrickson the Enselberg effect. And so if you go on Vimeo. On my, just under my name, it's T-O-N-Y-B-O-N-A-C-C-I. So Tony Bonacci under my, on Vimeo. So right. um yeah, so it's pretty much just all housed uh, housed on there. So Derek, what else can you think? Where you, what else were you in a, that
4: I did? Well, another thing that both you and I worked on was that uh, Jake Bellows video for Little Bird. Oh yeah. I acted in it. You edited that, didn't you? Uh
3: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Kennedy. if people
4: search that. Martin Kennedy directed that and uh Brent Scott Mays uh
3: directed photography on that. Yeah. Cool. Oh yeah. So search well, for that, little bird. We'll bite. do that. Jake Bellows.
2: Yeah. We'll do. And what else? And we'll What's have it? to we'll have to get you guys uh we got like a minute before Zoom's gonna kick Oh me okay. Out. <laughs> okay. Well 137, 35. Oh, for recording, 35.
3: right? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, but okay. uh real quick, I just want to say um we need to have you guys on again when uh, maybe uh, when the uh, you get the you know, the crowdfunding's done and then you start yeah, stuff and you get the trailer mm-hmm. and then it comes out and then makes a uh, hundred million dollars at the box office. In which case, you go to the real <laughs> podcast <laughs> yeah.
3: and then we'll be like, we had them first, <laughs> yeah. even after we just have a, a premiere. That's well, yeah, we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah,
2: that'd be fun. But that, cool. thank you guys for coming on and yeah. uh, good luck with the crowdfunding. Yeah. I mean, you guys are, you guys are killing it. So that I, I, it's almost a foregone conclusion that it's going to be successful. I think
3: hopefully. Yeah. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. All right.
2: I'll talk to you later. Hello. You're listening to find your film after hours. This is Eric and I'm here with Bruce and you're more than likely listening to this on the hodgepod. And uh we have a special guest with us today.
4: I'm a special guest.
2: And we saw a movie uh that is playing on Paramount Plus. Can you I it said it might be streaming on Amazon, but I don't know if that's the case. But the movie is called Beavis and Butthead
1: Do the Universe. Uh, right now it has a 7.3 on IMDB, which is a travesty, of course. Yeah, it is... should be six point nine, obviously. <laughs> that's not the proper rating. So uh when did you become aware that there was a new Beavis and Butthead movie coming available?
2: Yesterday when Steve said, come down, let's watch Beavis and Butthead do the universe. <laughs>
1: <laughs> He's like, Hey, come down. Sir. Uh,
2: uh, uh, my sister's friend V was over and her and Steve was downstairs in Frankie's room. And Steve's like, Hey, get down here. We're watching a movie. I'm like, all right. So I go down there and uh I was like, what are we watching? He's like, beavis and Butthead do the universe i'm like when did this come out he's like today <laughs> so i was like well we're watching this and i was like I, I love mike judge and i was like beavis and butthead but they weren't like my favorite like there was a time when they came out um but you know they're charming in their own stupid way and uh this movie was pretty fucking stupid and i kind of loved every second of it it just uh kept getting dumber and dumber and uh I was like, yeah, this is this is the Beavis and Butthead I remember, and yeah, I dug it. But I'm kind of curious what you guys thought of it.
1: Well, I would ask Andrew, because first of all, Andrew, I kind of dragged him in to watch it, and he said, okay, whatever. But Andrew, before you watch this, what was your awareness of Beavis and Butthead? With- Stupid 90s show. <laughs> not wrong. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> So um as we watched it what did you start to think? My my son by the way is is 13 and I think that is actually absolutely age appropriate for this movie.
3: Definitely not age appropriate. He's completely wrong.
2: I I think this is mishandling of treating your child. I think you know this is not appropriate for children. Why why would you make your child watch this? Because he loves you. <gasps>
1: <laughs> exactly. We have a party going on in the background, which I guess is fitting for the movie we're talking about. You know, this is, we were talking recently about how certain movies are impossible to rate. And in a way, this movie's kind of impossible to rate because it's, if you like Beavis and Butthead, I think you'll like this movie. And if you don't like Beavis and Butthead, you won't like this movie. You know, I don't know what you think, but it's like, uh, it's Beavis and Butthead. It does exactly what Beavis and Butthead do. Yeah, this is, a, this is a it's a good example
2: of like a. Um, well, I know you didn't like Top Gun, but you know they brought back Top Gun, and it was a Top Gun movie. It, it, you know, in in my opinion, it's the best possible Top Gun movie you could ask for. And I think with uh, Beavis and Butthead do the universe, it's the best Beavis and Butthead movie you could ask for because it it's it it knows the you know it understands the assignment. And it knows the characters, and you know Mike Judge is pretty funny anyway. Actually, I don't think he directed this.
1: Uh, It says actually there's co-directors. I I brought up the IMDb. It's uh, Mike Judge and John Rice and Albert Caleros or Caleros. All right. So he's a co-director, but I don't know if that's just because he did he write it as well. Um. Yep. Mike Judge. Uh. And then Guy Maxstone Graham. Ian Maxstone Graham did the story and then Mike judge is credited as story screenplay and characters. So I don't know how much he actually wrote how much is just based on characters created by Mike judge, you know? Yeah. I mean,
2: the, the story is pretty dumb. The whole movie is dumb. Um, but you know, th- this is one of the few things that, uh, you know, few things that can kind of get away with that. Uh, cause you, you don't, I don't think you want a highbrow Beavis and butthead movie. Um, but but they do they do kind of uh they do kind of uh play with some ideas in there like the whole idea where they learn (laughs) the part where they learn about white privilege
1: yes
2: (laughs) and they start going around like they just don't get it and they just go around like just start destroying things and at one point they uh get in a cop car and destroy it and then the cop points the gun at him it's like ah you need
1: to educate yourself
2: you got white privilege Oh God.
1: Yeah, that was probably about the most topical it got. I mean, I also thought it was kind of funny how um this is a movie called Beavis and ButtHead Do the Universe, and you're expecting okay, they're gonna they're gonna go to all these different planets and space and stuff, and they essentially just go into space for a little bit, and then they're on Earth the rest of the time. It's just an excuse for the, to get them into 2022, essentially. Yeah.
2: Uh, Another thing I liked was the uh, smart Beavis and smart ButtHead. Yes, which kind of makes fun of uh, almost people like us, or like uh. Oh, yes. Very humorous. dracular, Droll. Very droll. <laughs> <Yes>.
1: <laughs> like whenever they say something funny. But like, they were still the same, basically. And then the idea that there's like a... And of course, like every movie now, apparently, they had to have some multiverse element in it as well. So yeah. you had to have the Beavis and Buttheads in like every multiverse at some point kind of appear. I think if there was any missed opportunity in this movie, it would be some excuse for them to somehow view modern a modern music video or two yeah and talk about well,
2: them yeah because they did they did uh steal that phone uh, <laughs> it was bite nachos <laughs> um but uh i mean yeah you could go up you know have them get the phone and like go through youtube and like look up old anthrax videos or whatever
1: Or they try to do that and they end up finding, like, uh, I don't know, Machine Gun Kelly or, uh, you know, pick your modern performer that's, like, hot and have them, like, not know what to do with that information, you know?
2: Or even since they're they're basically, they go in the black hole and they go in the future, which is today, Um, you know, they could go to a, a Metallica concert who are these old dudes?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That would have been good <laughs> to played around with that. <laughs> find out that, uh, or maybe they're heartbroken when they find out, you know, some aged uh, rocker has died or I don't know. It seems like that's the only missed opportunity in this whole thing. And I don't know if that part of that is because part of the problem with the original was they always had to deal with the, uh, you know, the problem of rights, music rights when they were yeah. showing all these different videos.
2: Yeah. They had issues with the, uh, the, yeah, the the old episodes they they could play the episodes, but they couldn't play the part where they're like watching the video. But you know they probably uh, I don't know they could probably find a way to do that as like a bonus content or whatever, like on a, a website or something maybe.
1: Well, know. and I know that Paramount Plus. I think that they've been promoting that they are bringing. They're going to have all of the episodes with all the videos in it.
2: That's gonna be sweet.
1: Yeah, so I think that if that isn't up there now, it's about to be up there. But question for Andrew, since we have... We have oh, I was going to say, here. what
2: do you think of that, Andrew? you excited?
1: That looks like a no. I am
3: elated right now. <laughs> Absolutely
0: joyous.
1: So I have to ask, Andrew, what was the uh, dumbest thing in the movie? And if it was something different, what was the coolest thing in the movie? And if they're the same thing, that's okay, too.
3: They should have rated it PG. But kept all the rated R stuff,
2: you know. The, the the best part is probably the where they figured out what were, air quote, what they, you know, the misunderstood what white privilege was. I, actually, I think it's smart beavis and smart butthead. Every time they're commenting on a joke. Oh, yeah. So, those two words sound very similar. Very humorous. Joshua. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, like the, the well, I won't give away. The, i mean you probably could give away then the, this movie doesn't really hinge on uh hinge on like plot twist or, or anything like that <laughs> yeah, but, uh, right. the the part of the end where uh the thing happens and uh the one person out of all the multiverse finally got to do a thing
1: yes that's true <laughs> that was good i liked the i also liked the uh i i think i agree with the stuff that you liked i liked the um the extended um, porta potty joke I thought was pretty good. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I did really like there was a um, there was the two dream dream sequences, and I liked Beavis's uh, girlfriend dream sequence. I thought was was excellent. Oh that yeah, with, well, with Butthead as the uh, the unicorn, yeah, so that was very very good. But I, well, um, I, yeah, I totally forgot. Yeah, that was really good. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, this is those movies that we talked about before. Like, if you kind of like. Them at all, you're going to have a good time with this movie. Yeah, and if your name is Andrew and and you're young, you probably <laughs> hate this movie. He said he liked it at the time, but he's being quiet now. <laughs> ah! All right. Well, I guess that's all we got to say about Beavis and ButtHead Do the Universe. Any uh, final words? Yes. Uh, show your kids; they're going to dig it.
3: We need to find your film a shower curtain. We we need it.
1: All right. That is all for this segment.